Good morning. Heard from this side. How are you guys doing? This side good? So let's try this side. Good morning. All right, this side? All right, middle? Sweet. Great to see you guys. I'm glad you guys are here this morning. And um, just we're, we're just uh, rolling through some, infor- some awesome stuff in the book of Romans. Before we um, go any further, though, in three weeks, after the, two weeks actually, and not including this week, we're going to be starting another series. The reason I'm bringing this up now is this is probably the most important series we've ever done in, in the history of our church. And I want to make sure that all of us are there. Um, you know, you, you can get, you can look forward. It's like save the date for these neg- for that five-week series. We want to make sure we're all on the same page, locked into the same considerations, the same thinking. And uh, it's really going to be about what, what what's going on around here at Olive Branch. And so really want you guys to uh, to be there for that. So note that, mark it down your calendars, you can open it up. I'm going to talk about it in the next couple of weeks, make sure we're all engaged, ready to go for that. And so hopefully you will be there. I'm, I'm asking you to be there. And in, but in the meantime, we are in this series called Upgrade. And we are talking about God's upgrade of us, our, the transformation of our lives from the book of Romans. As, um, as God has given us this gospel, he has given us this transformation, this gift given to us through Jesus Christ, that if we will allow it to take fully over our lives, it will begin to shape and change us in different ways. Last week we saw it begins by surrendering ourselves fully to God and then moving to the place where we allow our mindset to change, the way that we think about things and the way that we approach things to be changed by the word of God. But this week, week, we're, we're going to be looking at something else. We're going to calling it new features. I mean, how many guys have ever upgraded in your car? You like, you got the DVDs in the back of every single part of your minivan and it's like, you know, the, the, you've got tricked out lights and nice seat warmers. By the way, always get the seat warmers. Even if you're in California, we had seat warmers in our last van and they were incredible. But, um, you know, how many guys have ever done that? You've gotten some of the newer features. You've upgraded your car and throw your hand up real quick. It's okay. Don't be shy. Okay, cool, cool. How many of you guys ever got an upgrade on your house? You went in, you brought a brand new house, and you're looking around, you're like, I want the loft, I want this kind of wood, I want this. How many of you guys ever did that? How many of you guys have um, done, upgraded it yourself? You know, you, you kind of work through it. All of us have done upgrades at some point. But I notice our church isn't like way into the upgrade stuff. We're all like, you know, I want to save my money, give me stock. That's what I like. It's kind of my way of going. And so it's interesting that um, when I got a new computer this week, and I opened it up, I'd been using an old computer had Windows 7 on it, and this one had Windows 8. Anybody like Windows 8? No. Nobody likes one. A couple people like Windows. Young people like Windows 8. Um, and what was interesting is I'm opening it up. I'm like tiles. What are these tiles? This is ridiculous. Immediately I went through and I started erasing all of the preloaded apps that were on that thing. In fact, there's a name out there on the website. And forgive this, but this is the name they call them. They call them craplets. And the reason why is they're awful. They don't work. So you erase them all and you put on the stuff you really like. Especially like if you have any kind of Apple and you try to use the maps. If you've ever done that, anybody gotten lost because they're just, it's just an awful app for, for finding your way to places. Those, but that's the idea here is that in our lives, you and I have been born into sin. Humanity has found their way into a situation in which we find habits and attitudes and dispositions that have grown up in our lives. And what we have created are a bunch of ways of life that ought to be erased, ought to be dealt with, ought to be pushed out, shoved away, and gone. But we keep them around. And God, who wants to change us, who wants to transform us, who wants us to be usable by him in great ways to do great things, has to go through our lives in this upgrade and really get rid of all those old old ways and habits of life 
and begin to install good new ones. And that's kind of what we're looking at here. You and I are going to discover God has got something for you. And especially this morning as we start finish kind of looking at how our mind should be changed and we got to give ourselves fully, we're going to switch over to how we should view ourselves. And that's where Paul really goes. He begins in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 8. So why don't you grab your Bible, if you've got a Bible, and it opened up there to page 948. If you're uh, kind of new to the Bible, you haven't been through it, or um, you've not ever read your Bible, uh, the book of Romans, you'll find it as in a Bible under the seats on page 948, was written by a man named Paul. And Paul was an apostle, a missionary of Jesus. And as he went about preaching, he finally uh, came to a point where he wanted to go to Spain. And so he wrote this, what we call a book. It's a letter to Rome. And uh, these are the Christians in Rome saying, hey, this is what I believe. Would you please support what I'm doing? I'm going to go to Spain and reach out there also with the name of Jesus. And so he works through the Bible, basic, or works through the past, the book, the, the, the letter, by claiming, by stating that we're all sinful. He proves that, shows that, and says the only way out of that is through grace in Jesus Christ and and our faith in him. Now what happens then is you're not locked down in law and you're not free to go sin all you want, but you have now a relationship with God. And this is the relationship that begins to change us as we give ourselves fully to that relationship, fully knowing God, fully walking with him, it begins to change us. And so he's just said it changes our minds and it it shapes how we think. And now he's going to adjust the way we think of ourselves. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So Paul begins, he begins with this conversation. And he says, here's what I want you guys to know. That you have been assigned a grace, you've been given something, and God has something for you. And you need to see it. He has some gift for you that you need to see and you're going to end up using. But he starts with this. You need to understand who you are. You need to understand yourself. Now, none of us see ourselves wrongly, right? We all got ourselves down. We don't have bad ideas. Of course we do. We probably see ourselves wrongly. We probably have something in our life where we think we're this way, but we're really not. I'm really, I'm really a great person. And somebody else going, I don't think you're really a great person. Whatever. I really think I'm outgoing. You're not that outgoing. Um, I really think I have, you know, chiseled facial features. No, you know, whatever. You know, we got all kinds of weird ideas about ourselves. And, and you know, the honest thing is we deceive ourselves all the time. You know how I can prove this? If you're married, just ask your spouse. <laughs> right? If, you, if, you're, if you're in the relationship where your spouse has a list of things or you got a list of things about your spouse, they don't do this and they're lazy this way and they're upset this way and, and man, when they do that, they eat this way and it's like, and you've got these lists against each other. This is who you really are. And usually those come out when we're fighting. Let's be honest with ourselves. We're ready to fling them at each other as quick as possible. Now, here's the problem with that. Oftentimes, they're Right? And that's frightening to us because we're not willing to listen. We think of ourselves differently, but our loved ones are trying to tell us that's not who you are. But here's the issue. We don't want to listen because it's too painful. It's part of our insecurities. It's got all kinds of stuff built up. And so we deceive ourselves. We fool ourselves. We think we're great in this thing and we're not or whatever it is. And so in that deception, we actually start to believe we're all that in a bag of chips. We think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. 
And that's especially dangerous when we realize that God wants to use us and give us a gift. If a bunch of us are running around with the wrong perception of ourselves, it could lead to a very, very big problem. It could lead to you making a very big embarrassment of yourself, a lot like these people behind me. Uh, And if you would hear this right now, it sounds like this. So anyway, can I get that sound back up? You don't want to hear it. Oh, maybe you do. National television, folks. It's our favorite. enough. Uh, It's painful enough. It gave Brian a headache putting that together. But the idea is that how, I mean, what went wrong here? Now, some of them obviously are are doing this because they think, hey, if I do a bad enough job, I get on television. But some of these people honestly thought, hey, I'm going to go to American Idol and I'm going to be the next American Idol. And they're jumping in there. They're paying money to do this. Who was it? who, Who was so cruel not to look at them and say, son, you are tone deaf. You, you can't sing, let alone dance. Don't do that. Let alone put yourself on public in front of the National Comedy Hour for America. I mean, it's just awful. But guys, if we think of ourselves more highly than we ought, we can oftentimes put ourselves in a situation just like that, only it's not nationally. It's just in your church. Which could be bad enough because we gossip a lot. No, I'm just kidding. No, it can, end up in, in, it can end up in front of your family. It ends up in front of your coworkers. When you think more highly of yourself than you ought to, oftentimes it leads to having egg on your face and, and looking like the bad end of a joke. Now, we probably see ourselves wrongly. So we really need to consider how do we, see our, how do we view ourselves rightly? How do we get a right sense of who we are? Because we need to get this right, according to Paul, if we're going to understand how this upgrade is going to move in us and really change us. And it starts by this. You know how I sing there's those lists from your spouse um, that likely is held up, or probably your parents, or maybe a coworker, or some friends, people who really care about you? I mean, not, not the mean people who are your enemies. I'm talking about people who care about you. You need to listen to them. You need to take it in. You need to receive the criticism. Because guess what happens if you, if you don't like to receive criticism, if you're standing there thinking you're, you, you got all this figured out and everybody else is wrong about you, nobody's going to tell you anything. They're going to let you stay in your bad singing world. Because you're not going to listen. But the second you turn to somebody and say, all right, I'm opening the door. Please tell me what I could work on. Scary words. Scary words, but they're real. And when you allow that person who cares about you to start telling you what you could work on and they're willing to listen back and you do that with several people and they all start pointing out the same things, you've got a commonality going. And then you pick up the word of God and as you're reading the word of God, it's called the mirror. It starts examining your soul and as God starts to show you who you are, now you really know what you need to change. And you're gonna think of yourself rightly, not more highly than you should, Not lower than you should. You're going to just have yourself right where you should be. 
That's the most important because God has given each of us to do something. God has given each of us something to use. It's called a gift. Notice what he says. Go back here to the verse. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. That means thinking sanely about yourself. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You realize God has given you, assigned you. This isn't just, just a gift only. It's an assignment given to you of grace, of, a, of the faith that you should go and, and get involved with. There's this assignment, a measure of it that's yours to do. Now think about this. He didn't give you everything to do. He didn't say, hey, you are the stuff, man. I'm giving you all of the gifts. Go be the church. No. He gave you a measure. A measure is a limitation. A measure is a scoop. You, you have a large vat of milk, and you take a cup of milk, you've got a measure of milk. It's not all the milk, it's just a measurement of the milk. God didn't give you it all. Now, I'm not talking about salvation faith here. I'm talking about a gift for the sake of the church, for the sake of each other. He's given you and I each a gift. Now, the danger is if we don't think of ourselves rightly, we think of ourselves more highly than we ought, we can go through what it is a stage of a bit of immaturity that I've seen, and it's come out uh, doing ministry for years. I've watched it happen. I think I even probably went through it myself at one point. You finally discover what you love to do. You finally discover your passion, which, by the way, is different from your giftedness. Let me explain this briefly. Your passion or your ministry can be different than your gift. So you may be passionate about students. Anybody in here passionate about what students should learn and know in the faith? They should be, you should be passionate about what they do. Passionate about children does not mean that your giftedness. You do not have the gift of youth ministry. Some of you guys are going, thank God. But others of you are going, oh, I, what? But you may have a gift of administration. God may have empowered you to be a great administrator. And you're thinking, well... Why I have a passion for video editing and a passion for making great stories come to life and service, but you know I'm an administrator. I don't know how to run a camera. I don't know how to. I don't know how to edit anything. But I, I mean, I'm gifted with administration. That doesn't mean you can't be part of the video tech team or whatever, because you need administrators in these places. Your gift is the gift of administration. Your passion is what you care about, what you want to be invested in, the needs you want to meet. So knowing that is very different and it's helpful. Because the danger is that what happens is we discover our giftedness and we discover our passion. We merge these two things together into this like ferocious desire that as they tell me multiple times and sit in my office and had this happen a few times, people look at me and say, everybody should be doing this. I literally have people look at me and say, everybody should be going to a foreign country and not coming back kind of thing. And I'm like, that's an over-exaggeration of what was said, but it's darn close. Everybody, everybody should be praying for hours and hours in church every day. Oh, everybody should be doing the service in the nursery. That, that's been said every year. Um, <laughs> and the point is this, that Paul says, let's not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. There's two ways of that. Number one, my gift is not all there is. And number two, everybody else doesn't have to have my giftedness. Everybody else doesn't have to run in my passion. You know, I realize God has given this to me. The question is, am I doing it? Am I living it? Am I walking in it? Because that's important. 
We need to understand that you have been given this gift and you are to measure, you are to look at your life and think of yourself according to it. The hammer, if it could think, knows its job is to drive a nail in order to build a house. But the hammer shouldn't walk around going, I am the only instrument you need to build an entire house. Because it forgets about the drill and the saw and the lumber and everything else that's necessary in order for the house to be built. Guys, you may be a hammer, but you're not everything. The pastor is not everything. If, I, if you guys weren't serving each other and caring for each other, there wouldn't be anybody here. Because there'd be no purpose in listening to some guy talk. If you weren't being cared for, if you weren't finding that your children were cared for and the students were cared for, if you weren't actually growing from somebody who taught. So it's important because the other problem is we mismatch our gifts. Sometimes we've got people who are doing administration who ought to be doing, running all the brainstorming. And you've gone, here, you're, you're organized. And they're like, I am? Yes. But you need to know yourself rightly. Know where you're gifted this is. to go, how do I know that? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? How do I know what God's called me to do? Well, you start by looking at the gifts, um, the gift lists. It's right, one of them is right here in Romans chapter 12. If you want to write down where the other one is, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 12 and 12. So, it's an, and, and both of these list out certain sets of giftedness. Now, I can't get into all the gifts and describe them all to you. But here's one. They've got prophecy, which is basically cultural confrontation. If you like to get out on a street corner and tell everybody why, they, why the world needs to change a different direction. You know, that kind of a thing. Service is, is really everything we do from James Project to cooking and caring for the, and doing, and, and keeping the buildings up and doing videos. So, this is service. You can move into the idea of teaching. You've got exhortation, encouragement, challenging people forward. You've got the idea of giving, and you've got leadership, and you've got acts of mercy. All of these pieces fit together to produce what the church needs. These are all different gifts. So I would say, look at the gift list, look through them, and then kind of note what they are. Maybe you've got to figure out some of them. Go, there's some books and stuff out there that help you out. Or you can ask me, and I'll give you some information on what some of the gifts mean. But then you want to look at your abilities. And here's why. Here's what's interesting. Once you look at your abilities, there's sometimes a wedding. It's like it connects. Some of us realize, oh, I am really good at teaching outside the church. Because you're a teacher by profession. And you know how to teach children. And suddenly you're going, well, God, where, what, what's my gift? And he's going, oh, I just want to use your gift of teaching. You're, you're, you are a teacher. I'm now going to make you a teacher of the word. I'm going to help you teach children. I'm going to help you teach women or, or men or adults, whatever it is. But there's this connection between your ability to teach and suddenly God uses it as a spiritual gift. Now, the other side is if you know your abilities... And you're lousy at organization and suddenly you're in the church and things make sense. And you start building an organization. You're like this and do this. And they're like, wow, you must be really, he's like, I'm not good at this at all. You realize it's a spiritual gift God has given you. Both of those things happen. It's more likely they're going to align with what you're able to do naturally. And God wants to use that. I can sing really well. Then I'm going to use that to worship. Those align oftentimes, but sometimes they are just things that God gives you for the sake of the church, and they only seem to work in the church. It's very, very real. But how do you know, if the, uh, after you've looked at your gifts, after you've looked at your abilities, how do you know whether you've got it? You try it. You've got to try it. You can't sit here and say, I know all my gifts, and not be doing anything. 
Can you imagine if Billy Graham just never tried to use his gift of evangelism? He never was challenged to do so? How many millions of people wouldn't know the gospel today? Well, God may have used somebody else. I get that. Let's, you know, side note. But the bottom line is, how Billy, another Billy Graham might be sitting in this room. We don't even know it. Because you're just scared to see if you've got the gift of evangelism. One of the, some of the greatest administrators in the world may be in this room for the church. Some of the greatest pastors in the world may be in this room for the church. But we're just not using our gifts. We're not trying. And so it's not going anywhere. Or some of the greatest givers in the world are in this church. You know how you're a great giver? God's blessed you to make lots and lots of money. Face it, great givers are oftentimes being shown. You have given you a bunch so that you can give. So you want to think through these abilities. You want to look at them. You want to try them, see what God does with them. And that'll begin to affirm. And as you start to talk to other people, they'll affirm those gifts as well. And it starts to lock in. And so this is important to know because God has a use for you. And you need to see it. Not to be so big-headed that you're the only one. I'm the hammer. No, no, no. MC Hammer's the only hammer we need. No, I'm just kidding. But I don't know where that came from. Anyway. But God, but I want you to look around for a second because there's something else important. That God has a use for them. Who's them? Look around the room. Right around you. That's them. Everybody in this room. God has a use for them. You need them to be it. It's one thing for us to do our job, and be, but if you're doing your job, guess what happens in churches? You're going to get invested in the church, and you're going to look over here, and you're going to go, that's missing. And you're going to go, okay, i got to go do that. You'll pick up that, and you'll start doing Now you're doing two jobs. One of them might not be what you should be doing. And then you're like, oh. And then you start getting noted, by the way, by the leaders of the church, and they start going, oh, that guy's a really hard worker. And then you end up with four jobs. Because what's going on is simply that everybody else around us is going like, yeah, God gave me a gift, whatever. We're not using it. We're not applying it. We're not getting engaged with it. We're not allowing it to work through our lives. God has a use for all of us. He wants us each to be connected. And it's important. Here's the question. Are you, it's important that we use them. Are you using them? Notice what he says here. Look at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. And individually, members of one another. Think about it this way. Here's my hand. My hand has a bunch of members. It has fingers and a palm. And it has the wrist and the forearm. Now imagine with me that this, we're, all indiv- we're all one body together. But I'm the finger. And say the palm just decides it doesn't want to show up this week. Or, ah, uh, you know what? They got enough palms. They don't need more palms. When the palm leaves the church, the leadership will come tell me they need a palm, and I will step in and become a palm. That's not how it works. That's not how the biblical description of a church works. God has gifted exactly what he needs for the church to have right now. But if we're not all engaged, we're like a limping weird thing that's missing arms because the arms just decided it wasn't going to be an arm because the thing said it's got enough arms. It's got one arm. Eh, what are arms needed for anyway? I don't know what arms are for. And we get this complex of how we should be used and stuff. No, but he's saying, look, we all hold each other up. We're all connected. We're all meaningful. You're significant because God has given you a gift. 
You're not just here to float through life. Get as much pleasure out of it as you can because it's meaningless. No, God has given you a specific reason that you exist. He's brought you into a relationship with him so that you can be used in great ways to impact lives through the gifts that he has given you. But when we don't do this, there's all kinds of stuff missing. There's all kinds of aspects missing in the church. So I want to challenge you. Maybe it's not supposed to be, though, you wait for us to come ask you, hey, can you help out? Maybe when me just saying, by the way, we're looking for video people, which we are. But when you hear that and you're going, oh, I like video. I don't know a whole lot. We'll train, whatever. But do you have a desire to speak out the stories that God's doing? You love to tell a good story. And maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe God's going, yeah, that's you. We're missing something in the church because... Maybe we're not serving where we could. And it doesn't matter what age you are. Your gifts just don't go away. Your gifts don't just vanish. If you have a gift of mercy right now, just use it. God has something for all of us to do. That's just the bottom line. So how do I get into ministry? Where do I go? What do I do? I just come knock on your door, Greg. Oh, that's one way. But let's, let's, give you, let's give yourself a hand. There's going to be an opportunity here coming in February where we can go through what we're calling ministry match. It's going to, God willing, it'll be launched at the end of February. And I'll give you a chance to do three things, to work through three, three parts. Well, I think there's something going on around here. Anyway, so first part is this. What's your passion? Think about it. What are you really passionate about? Is it kids? Because you had a lousy childhood? Is it youth because you don't want any other teenager to be treated like you were? Is it other adults because you became a Christian as an adult and you want them to be discipled? Maybe it's education. Maybe it's somewhere in there because you love what your small group is doing and you just want to pour into that. Okay, so what's your passion? What gets you motivated? What excites you? Is it local mission? Is it all those kind of things? and Reaching out to people who don't know Christ? So we're going to help you find that. Then the next question really is to ask, well, what are my gifts and abilities? And we kind of talk through how to find those. Because then once you figure out what sphere you're in, you're in children's ministry. Oh, and I'm a good, I'm a teacher in children's ministry. And then you can find out kind of how you are personality-wise. You could be a people, you could be like a, an extrovert. Oh, you love people. You love talking to people. How many of you guys just love talking to people? Give me a shout out real quick. That's right. How many of you just are like introverted? You're just scared. You don't have to say anything. Just stay there. It's okay. That's right. Be at peace. Some of us are task oriented. We're like, get the job done. Get the job done. They're driving. They're pushing. It's like, boom, boom. They got lists and stuff. And they're like checking them off. And, and others of you are like, what's a list? All I know is these people are here and I love them. Hug. Even if you're an introvert, it's like, I got my two friends. Leave me alone. I'm good. How have you been doing? Let me pray for you. And that's, that's, that's how it works. Some of you are people oriented. Some of you guys are task oriented. That's okay. We don't really need task oriented people with the greeters. You know what I'm saying? You walk in. Hi. Shook your hand. Good. Next. Ten. Hi. Good. Next. That's not what we need. We need. We need. How many guys know Danny DeGroat? <laughs> You guys know why you know Danny DeGroat? Because he's a people-oriented person. He's extroverted, and he loves greeting everybody. If you like people, 
And you want people to be connected? And you're like, I, 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 I just, I don't know what to do. Just go hang out with Danny. He will show you the ropes. And he'll help you connect people. Guys, it's incredible. If you're introverted, you just want to care for one person, just go talk to the prayer team. They'll, they'll lock you in. If you don't want to talk to people, they'll lock you in a room and let you pray to God. And you'll be in there going, God, please don't get me out of this room. I don't want to talk to anybody. Or you may be brave enough to care about one soul because you have a gift of mercy or encouragement. You'll stand in the corner and pray for people. There are introverts on this stage all the time. There are extroverts on this stage all the time. But if their heart is for the glorification of God, they're leading worship. Passion, giftedness, and figuring out kind of who you are will help you begin to discover what God wants you to do. And when you start actively living that out, imagine what happens when the evangelists know they're evangelists and they go out to reach people and people get reached and they start coming in and the people who love to connect with people and grow them up as disciples are like, this is awesome. And they're just taking them and building them up and caring about them and loving on them. When a crisis hits, all the counselors and mercy people are like, we love you guys. Come here, let's hug and we're going to talk this out. And they're all getting well and they're all getting happy and they're getting healthy. And all the teachers are like, send them to the small groups. We're ready to go. You know, and they're all getting with them, talking with them to get immediate care right there and all the missions people are like send them up to us we'll turn them into missionaries it's just the church becomes powerful but when we're missing slots and people are just kind of like i don't know i guess maybe not too busy whatever church isn't going to go anywhere it's going to hold still it's just going to barely make it and you know what's sad is most of the complaints we hear when people leave occur because many of us aren't living up to what God's gifted us to do. Feel like you're not being prayed for or connected with personally? It's really hard to connect with that many people, even a staff our size. Because there's lots of other people we're trying to care and care for and guide. And, but when we're all up, everybody's going to be connected. Everybody's going to be served. Everybody's going to be living together. You know, there are a bunch of reasons why we don't do this. I'll give, you, I'll give you a couple. Number one is this. I don't think I have a gift. Let me just affirm that you do. God's not a liar. Some of you are, are service-oriented men. And you should be with the James Project, ready to go. And you're going to get energized from it. You're going to get blown away. Some of you are gadget people. You like playing with stuff. And you should go, go help the tech team out. Some of you are noodlers on your guitars or whatever. There's, there's so much of what we are. God has given you a gift. Most of the time, we're just too scared to try it. Or we don't like the gift we got. Anybody in that camp? I don't like administration. <laughs> I don't want to be the worship person. So you've tried out for worship teams and you keep getting kicked off worship teams. <laughs> and you're just going like, I don't want to. But you have what's gift called gift envy. You have to go, I wish I could do that. Oh, if I could only do it like they do it, then I would be gifted by, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. The bottom line is it's ridiculous that the hammer gets upset at the screwdriver because it can't drive on a screw. And the screw can't drive the nail. God has a specific purpose for you. And you'll be satisfied in it when you engage in it. You don't have to fear that he's given, that he went, whoops. Oh, well, every 1,000 people we have a reject. It's okay. So no, that's not what he's doing. 
He has made you specifically, exactly, and he's placed you here for this season, for this time, for the reason. You are the only you that we have. And God has a reason for you here. And by not engaging it, you don't engage the very essence of what it means to be given salvation. To care for others. Breaks over. God's ready to use you. The only other thing is, the, the only other excuse is I just don't want to. I don't have time. Trust me, we'll overcome the time problem. God will overcome the time problem. But the church works best when we're all doing what God's called us to do. And so we want to do this. We want to use our gifts with excellence. Paul goes on, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, which is good, he's saying, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who, who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does, not, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. What he's saying is, guys, if you have a gift, use it. And then use it to your best. Use it for the Lord. Don't give up. Just go for it. Give your all. You say, how do I do that? Well, we're talking about excellence here at the church. I always say it this way. Use your gift as best as you can and keep growing in it. How do I grow? Very simple. Go meet somebody else who's already using the same gift and go ask them to show you, how, show you the ropes. Get a mentor. There are two kinds of mentors. There's flesh and blood mentors that you can sidle up next to like Danny or somebody like that. And you can learn the ropes and you can become with them, a servant with them. Or you've got a different kind of mentor. It's called a book. Not a book. Yeah. A book is an ability to meet somebody else and have them connect with you through word. And what's beautiful is that oftentimes those books, there are tons of books about all kinds of ministries out there. Just go to the just go to the just go to Cal Baptist Library or go over to Harvest or go over to uh, Lifeway or whatever and go look at the ministry section. You'll be blown away by what's in those in those sections. I think it's all for pastors. No, it, there's stuff all over all kinds of ministries. If you want to learn how to give better, you want to learn how to you want to learn how to greet better. There are there's information out there. And we want to encourage you guys to continue to grow in that, continue to step forward in that, continue to develop in that. Do your best. And keep growing. That's what excellence is. That's what Paul's laying out here. So that's where we're at. Now, a few years ago, I, it was Valentine's Day, and I wanted to do something special for my wife. And I was rolling through all the basics, like, okay, flowers, candy, what do I do? And I just came, I'm like, I wish my wife had been reading Shakespeare's sonnets. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Maybe I'll copy one of those. And I thought, oh, I'll try to write a, I'll try to write a poem for her. You know, that's really bad for me because all my poetry sounds like little kids, like I've read too much Dr. Seuss or something. I love the color of your hair. I love what you did up there. And it's just, it just doesn't work out that well. So, so I worked really hard at this and really focused on getting the cadence down and using a right pattern. And I did all that stuff and got the words that I liked. And I took, a, I took a pen, I tried calligraphy with like a, a scratch pen and a real ink and stuff. And that didn't work. And so I finally took a normal pen and wrote it out. And I took the paper that I wrote it on. I started burning the edges of it. And I tried to make it look old and I folded it well. You know why I went through all that care? Because I love her. 
And God has gone through great care to craft your gift. Not so that she, she would open it, read it, and that's nice. And she, she treasures that. She keeps it in her purse. She keeps it in her nightstand when it's not in her purse. But God has given you this gift, crafted for you to serve his children. Don't throw it away. Let's use it. Would you bow your heads with me? You know, there are some of us in this room who, you just sat through a long exposure of Christians talking to Christians, and you aren't a Christian. And um, there is a message for you as well that the Bible has, and that is that God loves you. You may be thinking, I already know God loves me. No, no, God really loves you. He, he has handcrafted a gift for you as well. And it's the gift that unlocks all the other gifts. <coughs> See, God loves us so much. He warned us that there's a day coming in which judgment will come, where all of our sins will be judged, and we'll have to face, our lot for what, face the consequences for what we've done in our life. But he doesn't want us to face that now. He's saying to us now, I love you so much. I'm telling you about this so that you will see something. You'll see my gift. His gift came in Jesus Christ, who lived on this earth a perfect sinless life. And on the cross, he was crucified there and there took the consequences for our sin. That anybody who would trust in the gift God is giving would be forgiven of their sins and given eternal life, which includes per, a, a purposeful life where God gifts us to use us. But that begins when we receive the gift God gives of Jesus' death on the cross. See, what it does is it forgives the sin. It brings a relationship with God because Jesus rose from the dead to give us a new life with God. And when we receive that gift, we suddenly have a relationship with God. He comes into our lives, he starts to lead us, and he guides us all the way home into heaven with purpose. And maybe this morning you're done living without a purpose. Maybe this morning you're done living in a way that you know where your relationship with God is broken. And you're ready to receive that handcrafted gift from God of forgiveness and mercy. If that's you this morning, you'd like to receive that gift that God is giving out of forgiveness and sins through Jesus Christ. I don't want to give you a chance to receive it right now. Just by putting your hand up, you're saying to me, this, that's me. I need that gift. I need that forgiveness. I'm ready to start following after Jesus Christ. If that's where you're at and you're, you're ready to make that decision, just start by talking to God and just tell him the sins that you've done. This is called confession. You're just laying out, showing God that you know what you've done. Because he already sees it. And as you go through that list, at the end of it, I want you to do something. It's called repentance. You're going to just say, God, I turn away from those sins, and I come to you. And now you just ask him to take those sins and put them on Jesus Christ. And let God know that you trust that Jesus has borne your sins and forgiven you. Ask him to make you new and to give you that new relationship with him.
Now ask him to come into your life and to lead you all the way through it with purpose into heaven. And God, for those in this room who are praying that prayer, who are asking you to forgive them or receiving your gift, I pray that you would answer them, reveal yourself to them, and encourage them, I pray. For all of us, Lord, we pray that you would allow us to use our gifts greatly for your name. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.